Hello, everyone. Often, You're not in the picture. I'm not often too early. Get, get with the picture. All right. In the picture. All right. You should be in pictures. Straight line in the horizon. Okay. Oh. Now we are so. You need like a level. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello everyone. Um, my hand is. You ever? <laughs> you ever um, cut butternut squash? Um, actually. I can't say that I have. So In your life, you've never cut a butternut squash? Why would I? I to make it? I got married at 19, and my wife cooks, so why would I do that? <laughs> you haven't lived. No, it makes you like a, like a you, no matter how I've much I've cut a I, lot of things. But not a butternut squash. Not a lot of butternut squash. Specifically here, butternut. So. I can't speak for other squashes, because I don't know if this happens. <laughs> but it leaves like a film on your hand, like oh. no matter how much you wash it. I've handled butternut squash. So but with the peel still yeah. on. The yeah. skin, not the peel. Yeah. What do you call that? A skin? I don't know. Butternut squash skin. I generally don't. Squash skin. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> anyway, my hand is a little uncomfortable, but I'll deal with it. It's adversity that I'm trying to overcome. <laughs> yeah, it is. You are Job. <laughs> I'm modern Job. You're struggling. As my mom would say. Uh, <laughs> we are. We are off to an auspicious start today, are we not? That hey, was my nickname I, I tell you what, it's, it is better than feeding pumpkin to your dog. So uh, that's true. We have We've moved, it's still in the same this, family of vegetation. But this is a oh, strange path. <laughs> that was a good one. And yet, this strange path that we are on has been purposely prepared for us to perform God's perfect plan. So let's, pa, 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 pa. let's set this podcast in motion. Oh, another P. Okay, let's do that. Podcast. Professional podcast. We are, indeed, the home of professional podcast. Always. Um, we're probably going to get a sign soon. That makes us legit. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> squash aside, um, we talked a little bit. Let's see if we can squash this into 30 oh, minutes. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, and not leave a residue behind. Um <laughs> We are, we talked about, and we've talked about it before. I'm we trying are, to get, I'm trying to get We are a piece of work is what we are. We talked about this before on the podcast and in sermons, but we, at this, at this section in Acts, we're talking about uh, a lot of the adversity that Paul is seeing um, and how he's using that in different ways. Mm. Um, and I guess maybe I felt like because we have talked about it on here before, I didn't have any questions immediately that popped out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were just talking a minute ago about um, some people that talked to you or, you know, approached you about your sermon. And because the reality is, <clears throat> excuse me, the reality is everybody at some point, whether it's right now today or a year ago or 10 years ago, and it's just coming to the surface again, has gone through some kind of adversity. And from a, a secular standpoint you could say well you know your attitude determines how you react yep, to those things and that's true. true but um that's the one thing you get to choose right, right. um but from a christ-centered standpoint which is what paul is using here uh that's different and and i think that makes you see your adversity differently and yeah. experience it differently and want to do different things about it yeah this isn't like a you know an optimism, a right. glass half full. Like motive. Paul's not trying know, to be like be a motivational speaker here. And, and I remember when I was uh, when I was a younger person, uh, back when I was a kid, there was a, a book by a prominent preacher at the time uh, talking about the, the be happy attitudes mm-hmm. and, and looking at uh, preaching through the, the beatitudes. And uh, not to 
I, I've never read the book, I, but I heard him preach on it a few times. And, and I got to say, the, the, the concept there seems to miss the point. It's, mm-hmm. it's, this is not positive thinking. It is not Paul thinking, okay, we're, we're going to get through this. Buck up, buckaroo. We're going to you know, be strong. And, and um, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. It's exactly the opposite of that, that God does deliberately give you on a regular basis more than you can handle. And that is by design. God right. purposefully chooses to give you more than you can handle so that you will come back to him as your source so that we recognize and own our dependence on him. Because there's no way that you can handle things, some things on your right. own. Which is happens. really the heart of everything in life. That, that's the, the nature of sin, the heart of our interaction with God, uh, whether we're believers or unbelievers. He's got creators for a relationship with him. And then mankind, humankind, because it's 2021. Uh, it's 2021? I've, I'm okay with skipping the rest of this year. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm bypassing. We're going <laughs> it's 2021. Up. We're going on. For some reason, I've been saying 2021 for the last two You're weeks. You're over it. And so uh, not, not intentionally. It's just my own foolishness. You're over but it. it might be Freudian. Anyhow, as we're, as we're looking at, at how this plays out at the beginning of humanity, we decided we can do this. Mm-hmm. We, we listened to the devil's voice and, you know, God's got a plan, but I might have a better plan. Maybe I can get more out of this. Maybe God's holding back. I can, you know, I can bypass some of these things. And we're still doing that same thing today in a thousand different ways, a million different ways. But ultimately, all of the stuff that, that, we're, that we're going through, whenever we're teaching the idea that you're, you know, your strength, your self, you know, uh, what I want to say, your, your self-help kind of stuff. You can, your sheer will. You can power <laughs> your way through this with your indomitable will. You know, we, we cling to this invictus mentality. We, we fail at its very root, regardless of whether it practically works out for us. Because some people have really strong wills, mm-hmm. not as strong as we think, but you look at, at a, a Nelson Mandela as a strong-willed individual. And when he was in prison, he clung to the, the poem Invictus. And this idea that I am the, I'm the, the master and captain of my own uh, reality here, that, that's a great humanist perspective, right, but it of- is specifically not biblical, and it's not... It's contrary to the theocentric reality that God has created, where we, as his image bearers, as the pinnacle of creation, were made for him, Mm -hmm. for his pleasure, for his glory. And our greatest fulfillment, our greatest pleasure, and our highest glory, our, our, our greatest good, is found in specifically our dependence on him and relationship with him. So as the Westminster Catechism would say, uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why we were created even before uh, Christ came and gave himself for us. Our purpose, our reason for existing was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or as Piper would paraphrase that or, or reword that, uh, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So this intimacy of relationship with God involves and must involve and always has involved 
our utter sheer dependence on him to be able to do whatever it is that we do. So what we perceive as free will, we've now turned into an idol, this mm-hmm. idea of free will. But even, even in the garden, our free will was free will within the sovereignty of God, free will under dependence on God, free will recognizing that it's not really free will in the way we see it today, but we are doing God's thing, God's way for God, for his pleasure, for his glory, according to his strength and by his predestination, if you will, uh, hesitate to use that word because people freak about it, but that's really what we're talking about, is that God in his sovereignty has a plan. And I'm either on board with it or I'm not on board with it. But even when I'm not on board with it, that's not a surprise to God. He's already involved in that. And, And so all of the things that we face in life ultimately bring us back one way or another to this choice of will I surrender myself to the sovereign God or will I be opposed to him? Will I recognize that God is God and I'm not? Or will I try to put myself in that position and determine my own fate, be the captain of my own soul? Will I will I make that that decision? And so adversity very often is the maybe this is an overstatement, I'm not sure that it is, is very often the only path mm-hmm. for us to get to there. I would love to say I just recognize it and, and you know I, I know that I need to be dependent on God, and so I'm always in tune with, with that. But that is so far from my lived experience, if I can cop that term here, uh, it, it, that is so far from the reality of my life that I have to, if I'm intellectually honest, recognize that I turn to God when things go wrong much more often than I do when everything is going right. Sure. And I think that's most people could say that. I certainly could. And, and through that, then, we learn how to humble ourselves right. and rely on God when we are not in those adverse situations. We can enjoy the blessings and prosperity when we have been broken. And so for us to be able to come to that place, it, not, to, not to bring the greatest sport ever made and God's great gift to humanity of football into this, but I'm going to bring that into this. Uh, I was watching an interview with uh, Nick Foles, who is the new starting quarterback for the Bears. Been one of my favorite quarterbacks for a while because uh, since uh, he he started out at the beginning of his career with this fantastic historic season where everybody's like, wow, this guy is the best thing ever, and then collapsed, lost his starting job and all that kind of stuff. Kind of been a semi-journeyman quarterback. And uh, along the way, he became uh, known as the best backup quarterback in the history of the game. He came in and wound up being a Super Bowl MVP for mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of years ago as the backup, taking over for the injured, hotshot young quarterback. All that to say, he's seen the ups and the downs. And how do you do that? Well, not, not long after that Super Bowl um, big deal, he, he wrote a book or you know, helped, you know, was part of writing a book. Uh, he gave some interviews. And he said, all of this, th- this doesn't affect me. This is, doesn't change who I am. Whether I'm, and he, I just saw a recent interview when he was with the Bears because he didn't win the starting job. Mm-hmm. And then he just came in and was the superhero in the fourth quarter and that wound up winning the starting job. And then this week, he played poorly and the Bears lost. So nobody that's not a football fan probably cares about that. But the illustration here is what has made him successful is he's able, he's known for being able to take the highs with the lows to be even keel. That was not always him, but because he identifies primarily as a child of God, because he recognizes I'm created for God. I'm made 
for this relationship with him. I've found this relationship in Jesus Christ. Nothing that happens on the field, whether good or bad, changes that. And so that allows him then to handle the adversity with the same perspective. Again, football's not the same as, as you know, what Paul's going through, right. but, but he has the same perspective as Paul. To go into it and say, for me, to live is Christ. If this goes well, great, I can give testimony to the Lord. If I excel, God gets the glory. If I fail, God gets the glory. He carries me through this. It doesn't change who I am. It's not a matter of, you know, I'm going to praise God when I win and, and then I have to change my theology or something when it, when it uh, ends. And that happens with a lot of celebrity uh, Christ professors, I'll say, because I, I don't know that all of them, I don't even know that a lot of them are believers as much as it's convenient to say, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this Grammy that I won while I'm doing a horribly ungodly song that won me this Grammy. And I, I have no acknowledgement of God in my everyday life, but it's a great convenient time for me to be able to say that. So what happens when you lose your career and you're no longer signed to that label because your last 10 songs stunk? Is that God too? Well, most of the time we just kind of fade away. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't deal with that. But when we get it, like Paul, we can say, hey, hey, these chains I'm in right now, this adversity, this prison that I'm dealing with, it really serves to advance the gospel. Whatever happens here, I've, I've learned to be content with much. I've been, learned to be content with little. When I'm suffering, great. When I'm uh, on top of the world, great. None of this has anything to do with me. So I don't take the highs too seriously, and I don't take the lows too seriously. Because ultimately what matters is there is a reality far beyond this. And if I suffer every day of my life until I die, that's a tiny, 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 tiny piece of eternity. Mm -hmm. And when I die, it gets better. And all of this hardship goes away, and what remains is what was done for Christ. And that is the perspective that a guy like Nick Foles has. So what, what makes him a good quarterback is not that he's this exceptional quarterback. <laughs> if he, you know, he's, he's smart, he's good at what he does without any question. For an NFL quarterback, he is not particularly physically gifted. But he's got a cool head and a calm heart because what he truly has is a strong identity in Jesus Christ. I think what what sticks out for me in these, uh, I don't want to say stories, but these, these situations of adversity are the learning opportunities that come from them on a personal level mm -hmm. and then also on a more public or a relational level, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know everything that was going through Paul's head when he was going through all of this, even yeah. though he wrote quite a bit of it down. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to think that in this chapter or this section, what Paul went through and how he responded to being imprisoned, being, you know, threatened to kill him, doesn't get much more serious than that. Um, he, we are now, you know, a thousand years later, 2,000 years later, uh, learning from that, right. learning something from that. In my life, I'm 32 years old, I have learned from the things I've gone through. I hated, right. I hated going through them at the time. I can't say that enough. And I don't know if... And the, the time hasn't made them more fun. Uh, no. You know, it's not like you look back on it and say, ah, it wasn't so bad. No, it's still No, horrible. it was terrible. It, and I still, there are still. And the more you think about it, the more terrible. Yeah, let's it might not talk seem, about that. So. Um, <laughs> but there, and there are still times where I something will get in my head, and I'll think, man, mm. 
just that was awful and now and then I feel awful but I also can't help but wonder and I, I don't even know if I should use my own story for this let's use you uh, okay, <laughs> no I mean anybody that goes through some kind of adversity or some kind of specific situation there is undoubtedly somebody that they know whether it be their uh, close friend in person somebody in the church somebody that's seeing something you post on social media yeah. uh, that is going to perhaps gain something from it if you respond to it in a in a Christ-like way and in a in a a message of hope and that's not easy to do because it's very easy to look at your hard times through a worldly lens and think to yourself i can't believe i got through this i am so strong i got through this right. I, it, it, that, that's the humanist right. idea that, that and i think that's really a uh, a western culture thing too uh especially in the u.s you know we get the whole, you know, John Wayne mentality. I mean, like John Wayne. But, you know, we're supposed well, to be tough yeah. and resilient and, and we can do sure things ourselves. It is for sure a Western thing. I don't know if it's only a Western thing because I don't have, you know, I'm not part of other cultures. But but we for sure see that as the American way, the, the right. you know, the strong, you know, you mentioned John Wayne, that Western idea. We like heroes who get things done. Right. We like superheroes, Avengers, and, and, you know, I've been watching Arrow and all that kind of stuff. We, we see this strong, independent, I can do it. I can rise up and be bigger than my situation. But what hope am I giving myself or anyone else if I said, I got through this because I'm strong enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah. I can do this. Okay, good for you. I mean... And, and the thing is, even if you are, because some people can... You know, for example, you know, uh, some people really can't identify with addiction, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like, I don't get it. Why don't you just stop? If, if it's something you don't want to do, you know it's harmful, just here's a, th a thought, don't do it. But others of us get it mm -hmm. that, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I still find myself doing that over and over again. I think we can all find something that. in our lives that is, is like that. But, <clears throat> but some folks are just strong, right. at least in certain areas. And so, like for me, growing up in, in high school, drugs and alcohol was never a temptation right. for me. But I had lots of other temptations right. that, that I had to deal with. I have other friends where that was a, a real mm -hmm. temptation for them, but other areas that might have been a, been plaguing me didn't didn't affect them the same way. So we're all different, and yet we're all the same. We mm -hmm. all go through these different things, and so when God brings us through what He brings us through, there are a couple of things that we need to recognize. And we did the song Sunday, uh, Sovereign Over Us, and we and we did uh, you know change the lyrics a little bit, and and the reason for that we have to unfortunately change lyrics and songs that I really like fairly often, it seems. Um, because there's a, a, a chorusy bridge piece in there um, with the words, even what the enemy means for evil, you would turn it for our good. And, and that is the one part of the song that troubles me, because the, 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 everything else about it I love. But it paints this picture of God as reactionary. That mm. The devil is doing a thing and God has to adjust. God yeah. has to call an audible, go to plan B, and, and make this thing that the devil is doing somehow come around and, and work out. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, um, it, it kind of like an improv scene where, right. man, you just gave the weirdest line ever and, so and gonna... totally caught me off guard. But I'm going to bring this back around and right. make this connect and come back into Have it. Have you ever seen the movie The Adjustment Bureau? 
I have not, but I remember, Matt Damon yeah, and I Emily Blunt. It coming out. It's it reminds me a little of what we're talking about now. It's it's one of my favorite movies, even though I, I still can't decide if the ending is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's about this man, and he's a politician, I think a senator, uh, or he's running for the Senate, and he meets this woman and falls in love with her, and they want to be together, but all this st- bad stuff keeps happening, and he comes to find out that there are all these men walking around um, in suits, and it it very clearly suggests that they are angels Mm. um, and that God is referred to as the chairman because they all look like businessmen. Mm. And so this one angel uh, shows Matt Damon a book and it's his life. And there's just this images moving forward and every turn he's taking needs to move the, the, his life forward. Mm. And then the chairman directs every turn he makes. And it might be something like a taxi run, running into traffic so this doesn't happen. Or, you know, little specific things that make your life what it is. Mm. And he spends the And so he and his, this woman are not supposed to be together based on the, the book. And uh, so he spends the entire movie trying to be with this woman, even though the chairman is throwing everything he can at him to keep him away Mm. and in the end he ends up with the woman they all these men in suits are chasing them and they end up on a rooftop and they both accept the fact that they're probably going to be killed and they're embracing and uh then all of a sudden everything goes away and one angel steps forward with the book and says that the chairman changed his plans and so now they can be together Mm. and i can't decide if that is Thinking of it the way I'm thinking of it as a very obviously yeah. metaphorical thing, uh, I can't decide if they're saying that God does change his plans, which I don't believe, or making our own choices in life yeah. are are actually what we are supposed to do, even though things are very hard and we have to overcome those obstacles to get to the blessings. Yeah. So I can't decide. Watch for yourself and well, let me know. Those, but, <laughs> you, you've got my curiosity with it now. It's a very good um, movie. The, I mean, the thing, without without going too far into a whole other theological right, yeah, discussion, know. Uh, you know, there are, there are aspects of that that are, some would call it paradox. I think it's paradox mm. from a human perspective, mm-hmm. but paradox, it, I think, gives a wrong implication. What it, what it really is is a mystery. It is. That God is a both and in, yeah. in many situations. And so God, we see that in the Scripture, the, the clear picture of God's sovereignty, that God plans and initiates everything, that God is involved in all of it, and yet also that God changes his direction, that God changes his, his mm-hmm. plan, uh, repents of creating man when it comes to, to mm-hmm. uh, Noah and the flood. Uh, we see uh, the prayers of Abraham and Moses, you know, ostensibly changing God's plan. And yet it can't really be both, except for when it's God, it's somehow both. Mm-hmm. So there's a mystery to that that God understands and we do not. Uh, and we could go into explaining perspective on that and philosophically right. approaching it. I mean, to give you the really, plot of the movie, well, I'm sorry. But, but no, no, that, that, if <laughs> you haven't seen it, it came out now, like 10 years ago. Say, at least that, yeah. So um, it's, as you are, as you're looking through the, the lens, the long-term lens of life, God sees things differently hmm. than we do. Sure, yeah. And so he is beyond time. He's transcendent. He's not... Uh, he's not under time the way his creation is. I heard someone say recently. Uh, th- so there's, I heard somebody say that in, in a, it, it come to the wrong conclusion about it. But anyway, that's another story. Um, 
I think it was that Charles Wesley thing that I was telling oh. you about on, on Prime Video. Uh, anyhow, what what the reason we change those lyrics is because God's not reactive. God mm-hmm. purposes it. And we saw some time uh, before in the book of Acts in one of the chapters as we were dealing with similar concepts here that, that what the enemy intends as a weapon, God ordain, ordains as a tool. He's already planned for what the devil's going to do before the devil knows he's going to do it. So God isn't really reacting, but the devil is doing <laughs> God has already known and determined was going to happen. And in, in God's sovereign, perfect plan, all of these things, even the wicked things that are done against God, mm-hmm. are still used in the shaping that, that he has in mind, ultimately for his people, for, for our ultimate good, and for his ultimate glory. In the moment, that does not make it less right. evil. Right. It doesn't make it less sinful. It doesn't make it less wicked. But it does make it less accidental. And, and we often look at, boy, my life is just falling apart, well, as if this yeah. is all out of control, and I hope God can come in and do something. No, God is already doing something. He was doing something before you thought a thought, before you were born, before you took a breath. He already had had sifted these things through his will to, to put you in a position, as we see throughout Scripture, particularly I think of Romans 5 and, and James 1, where these adverse conditions, whether it's persecution, as we saw last week, uh, that, that all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When this happens, that's not an accident. Mm-hmm. God, God's not like... Well, I guess I'm going to let this go for now, and then I'll figure something out as we go right. along. That 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 weak, insipid God that we that we often try to uh, come up with, and then we we wonder why people don't have faith. Well, they don't have faith because we're given a picture of this God that can't right. exist right. in that reality. So, well, you here's know, this makes me think of uh, when I was going through uh, my divorce, or and before that, uh, you suggested to me at one point. Um, I'm the kind of person that likes to be in control. Mm. I like to have things, you know, I like to know what's going on. I don't like group projects, <laughs> I don't, you know. But you said to me one time, I'm, I'm going to mince your words, but basically that I needed to be broken and surrender fully to God. And maybe I wasn't doing that mm. Uh because I wanted to work so hard to make things work mm. and they weren't working. <laughs> and uh, that was that really had nothing, I mean, it had something to do, but that had to do more with me, more to do with me personally than my marriage or the situation I was in. Um, and I still don't do that perfectly. Separate from whether right. the divorce was whatever right. it was, right. but God was doing something through the whole situation in you. Right. In and so I think people look at both in their personal lives and when it comes to, you know, let's say like a natural disaster, like how could a loving God allow that to happen? People say that all the time. People right. get angry with God. And you think how, you know, even in a personal situation, like like your, your marriage falling apart, like how could this happen? Why why is this happening to me? Or if you get a cancer diagnosis, why is this happening to me or the person I love or whatever? And it is very difficult to, to see the purpose mm-hmm. that God has in those moments, big or small. Um, and so I think it's easier to, like I said, be angry with God or turn away from God or just not believe right. uh, instead of thinking, how in the end is this going to glorify God? What is his purpose here right. for me moving forward? Well, I think as we look at those things and as we, as we look at the scope of Scripture, uh, that 
it, it all seems to lead to the fact that God, ultimately that decision, whether I'm going to get angry with God or I'm going to surrender to God's will, that it's all created to, to bring us to that that existential crisis, to, to, to bring us to the, the crux of the issue is who gets to be God, him or me. Right. And when, when I say, God, how could you do this? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in judgment of the only one qualified to judge, mm-hmm. as if I am the judge, as if I am God. God has to answer to me. You can't be who you say you are. You can't be loving and let this happen because I don't understand it. Oh, well, that's humble, you know. That so the the reality is God, who is bigger than creation, probably, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, probably knows more than my little eight to ten pound head and my carbon based brain that is entirely based on what I've put into it and what the the circumstances around me have fed into it. I I can't think thoughts without various stimuli bringing me to the place of being able to think those thoughts. God is not restrained in this way. So it's very possible, maybe, that God might know more than me. And yet, I feel like I get to sit in judgment of God. So everything kind of brings us to that point. I I think I mentioned, and I know I did on Sunday, that all of the things that happen in our lives, one way or another, good, bad, indifferent, God has sifted all that through his will and all of it, everything leading up to my existence, everything in my family background, everything in the history of the church, in the history of the world, in in the existence of physical creation, all of these things have been stacked by God in such a way as to personally bring you to that decision, Mm -hmm. to bring you before the cross to say, what are you going to do with my son? What are you going to do with this good news of grace in the face of the bad news of your earned condemn- condemnation. If, that's, if that is the decision that matters most in the universe, then it makes sense that everything brings us mm-hmm. to that, that climax. I like that way you phrase <clears throat> that, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Because we ask ourselves that in times of despair. What right. am I going to do now? Yeah. And what are you going to do? I mean, that's the question that... that we're left with and And very often the the answers to our prayers for god to take things from us culminate in that right that god god's saying just like with paul and he had this we don't know what it is whether it's metaphorical or or or, uh, literal and he speaks of a thorn in the flesh i think it's clearly metaphorical what i mean to say is we don't know whether it's emotional mental Mm. um spiritual you know physical if there's a physical ailment people speculate about a lot a lot of the time but what we do know is paul has this thing that's plaguing him that's making him miserable and if you can think of the piercing of a thorn there's this sharp and continuous pain whether it's again physical psychological whatever it is and he's pleading with God, and, and he uses the term three times I prayed, to, to, which kind of symbolizes completeness in it. I, I prayed earnestly for God to take this from don't me. Do don't, don't pound the table. Don't do, that. do you have to say that every week because yes. I pound the table every week? Yes. Yeah. I'm not playing Typical with the man. this week. But as, as we're seeing this in his life, this profound, acute, just persistent pain mm-hmm. he, he's praying for God to remove it and God says no right. 
I've given it to you, mm-hmm. and I've given it to you for a purpose. And part of that purpose, ultimately, maybe the whole thing, but but there are other details that God's working out within it. That purpose is that you will recognize that my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to get through this because I've determined you're going to get through this, and you're going to see me in it. And therefore, I have brought it into your life and allowed it to remain for that reason. And so God is doing something. And, you know, just to kind of, uh, there are some things I wanted to bring out today, and we don't have the time to do I'm that sorry, since we're already over. No, 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 that's good. Those, those are good things. <laughs> but uh, it just means that this was a different path than I had planned. Uh, See, God purposefully prepares our path to perform you segued his late today. perfect plan. And so as, we, as we're doing this, we need to recognize that it's not accidental. It's intentional. God is in this specifically, whatever that is. We're going to face persecution and opposition. But the adversity that we face might be any number of other things. Mm-hmm. It, it might be, I had a, a friend contact me after the sermon who had not you know, heard one of the sermons before, and, and so this was new for her. Uh, she's from a different kind of church background. Without giving the details in her particular story, uh, she's going through a lot of difficulty, personal, family, just hardship, overwhelming. Most of us just could not even handle it, and she's been going through this for an extended period of time. She said, this is exactly what I needed to hear, and I get it now, and, it, and it, I felt like God was speaking to me in this. Because we do face adversity, and it's different. Each one of us has a different right. path. God, uh, one of our, our friends from church, Wayne, uh, as we're going through the Pilgrim's Progress, says, you know, we can see in this, we don't all, we're all on the same road, but, but the way we travel that road, the different things that, that we encounter are different for each one of us. And that's super Just ask true. Robert Frost. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so as we go through this, there, there are three aspects of it that we don't want to miss out on in that God is using our adversity that we're facing to work for us, for his child, to work in his child, and to work through his child. And without going into a huge amount of, of detail for it, God is, is, has part of the purpose of this path to bless us, mm-hmm. to do good things in, or for us. And a lot of that is delivering us from these things, for us to, to pray, ask for deliverance, and see that deliverance. And sometimes what he is doing does not involve that, but, but very often it is. And we looked at Psalm 23 and the idea that this, this blessing of being intimate with God, being in this, is, is a blessing for us. But there's also the work that God is doing in us to build us. So it's not just, we look at blessings and prosperity from a a, a very narrow lens, but God in his blessing of us is also working to build us. And sometimes the blessings, if I could borrow from the song, come through raindrops. You know, it's the hard times. It's the the slow and steady Mm -hmm. difficulty. And sometimes it's the big storms. And God is doing as much or more for us, for us in that adversity as he is in the times of sunshine and prosperity. But he's also working in us to build us, to cause us to grow, to develop and deepen our strength. And so when we look at, uh, again, James 1 and, and Romans 5, talking about glorying in our suffering, counting it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, because it develops in us that maturity and completeness that we need, the, the perseverance that's required, and it drives our roots down deep. And so when we 
face adversity and we find ourselves in the scriptures and we're like, I, I will not let go, like, like uh, uh, Jacob said when he wrestled with God and, and uh, his name was changed to Israel. I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm going to keep wrestling with this. God wants us to wrestle with him, not wrestle against his authority, mm-hmm. but to dig deep into his word to say, I'm, I am going to find what God says about this if, if it kills me. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep going to find out what God is doing in this. What does he have to say? What are his promises to me? To What are his promises that I can count on? Not my strength, but his strength. And where, where we might see our activity, our strength in it is, I'm not letting go. I'm going to find God in this. So God works for us, he works in us, and he works through us. And, and you had mentioned, uh, my friend in her message uh, mentioned the idea that that uh, this idea that, that God is is working through us means that he prepares our path so that we can bless others. And right. I, I meant to include in the sermon, and I failed to, 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3, and 4, when Paul writes, same guy, by the way, same guy we're talking about here, was going through all these, these difficult things. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Verse 5 says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. He continues, If we're distressed, speaking of himself and the other teachers and apostles, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance in the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our comfort. So this idea of of our suffering being bigger than us, that it's not just for God to work for us, not just for God to work in us, but also for God to work through us. He's set into motion a plan that is for our good, it's for our growth, and ultimately it's for his glory. And and that, that glorification that he receives is when we suffer through this, holding daddy's hand, relying on him, and then the things that he has done for us and the things that he has done in us become something that we're able to to bless others with so that he then works these things through us. We will stop there because we're over time. But uh, I feel, I I mean, I have more to talk about, but (laughs) we will stop there. If you guys have any questions uh, or any comments, feel free to leave us a message on Facebook or comment on this video. Um, Leave us a voicemail here at the church, which is 269-756-RLCC. So proud of you for remembering that. Um, I still don't remember the numbers. Stacy calls the church so often. I do. Um, I have no reason to. I'm always here. And, uh, <laughs> and we have cell phones. Right, true. Um, or comment on YouTube, or I think that's really the only way to get a hold of it. Oh, email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Or smoke signals. Send a carrier pigeon. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, like I said, I have more to talk about in here, but I'm sure we'll come back around to some of these themes moving forward. Because um, we always seem to do that. Hmm. Imagine that. It's like all of life is connected. Uh, circle of life. As if God had a perfect plan that he had prepared in advance for us. I knew you could wrap this up perfectly. Uh, do you have anything besides that? So much. Okay, well, we're going to stop anyway. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you later.